Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast for African entrepreneurs. I'm Jason Delory, serial entrepreneur, innovator, and ecosystem builder. And I have the pleasure of being your host today. And on today's show, we have another episode in our funding series, and I'm excited to welcome two fellow Kenyans, Alice DeGord and Brian Maria, co-founders of Tulix. Thanks for joining us on the show, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great, Jason. Thanks for having us. It's nice to be on the show. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you and uh, always a pleasure to see uh, Kenyan startups doing well. So before we deep dive into our topic today, I was wanting to give our listeners a bit of background about you guys and, and Tulix. Uh, do you mind sharing more about the journey um, that, that you've had coming up with the idea and building this company? Uh, yes, I'd love I'd love to tell you a bit about how how we ended up doing this uh, amazing roller coaster of a journey. Uh, so Tulix is an idea that was was just brewing uh, in the back of our heads at one point uh, in our lives. I mean, the goal of the business is basically to support and enable the more efficient movement of remittances into the country and to allow them to be more impactful for their senders and their beneficiaries. And so being remittance beneficiaries ourselves, uh, we've spent the last decade doing all manner of different things. Uh, personally, I'm trained as an engineer, but I've also worked very closely with startups and uh, SMEs. And in that journey, I've spent uh, quite a bit of time in different roles, understanding how different things move in businesses, seeing how money moves in, in, in businesses, and also seeing how people use that money. And looking at those aspects, I also got, uh, took a keen interest in terms of how much money comes into our continent in general. And I started just researching and understanding what is this money going towards uh, as a beneficiary? How am I using this money? Is it making my life better? And to be honest, it really did. And uh, But at that point, I didn't have the business idea in mind. Uh, so when we joined the Antler startup uh, in September of 2020, one of the ideas that we pursued was, was Tulix. So it was, it was an idea that started from how do we make remittances uh, a source of funding for businesses or startups looking for funding? And also how do we use the African diaspora's knowledge and experiences to grow our continent in general? So all those uh, ideas literally came in and through that program, uh, I mean, I met Alistair there and that's exactly how we started working together. He's, uh, he has a great background in finance and investments. And so using that uh, combined knowledge and combined partnership, we started working on the idea um, and yourself, Alistair, how did, how did you uh, end up um, wanting to pursue this, this aspect uh, of, uh, you know, the remittance and, and having that diaspora element as, as part of the problem? Uh, well, the, the the remittance side, uh, I must say, was uh, a surprise to me when uh, when Brian told me about the figures. My background was uh, 15 years in investment banking, so uh, my focus was in listed markets, trading stocks and bonds. Um, up until September 2020, when I uh, joined the Antla program, I'd always been interested in tech, and this was an opportunity to actually start something and see how I could apply that knowledge in something else. Uh, when Brian told me the volume of money that was coming into the country every year, I was surprised because it was actually more than we trade in uh, equities in a year. Oh, so wow. I thought, wow, <laughs> how is this bigger than yeah. uh, our stock market? <laughs> and that immediately caught my attention. Um, based on my background, yeah, I immediately 
we started thinking, how do we channel this to investments? But through the Antla program, we were able to break down the problem uh, into smaller bits uh, to where we are today in terms of providing uh, payments and providing a collaborative platform for uh, people in the diaspora. And then we will build on uh, a lot more along the way. Great. I just wanted to pick up on two things, and I think that's really key what you guys are mentioning. Firstly, it's like you starting with a problem. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we get a little bit, you know, starstruck with solutions we come up with, and, and we tend to forget the core problem. So I think that's that's really something that uh, that is key to, to, to successful startups. The other point you mentioned, which was that that impactfulness and, and how that money was being spent. I think, again, sometimes we, we whitewash and we'll say, oh, that's just, you know, uh, transfer of money, M-Pesa does it already, why would I go into that field? Whereas like myself being a diaspora, it is a challenge. What, if you're not connected, for example, to M-Pesa and to the money on the ground, it becomes then very difficult to interact with these ecosystems that are actually across the whole of Africa. So I was actually uh, curious to understand what was the biggest challenge um, building Tulix in such a you know, regulated industry um, with so many di disruption at the moment? Um, so, so what were your biggest challenges? I think to, to just begin with, you've laid, you've laid the stage quite well there. I think one of the first things we had to understand as, as founders was what was the nature of the problem we were trying to, to tackle and who, who was it uh, that we were solving this problem for. So that's, that's literally the first place we started. And it was quite challenging because we had to iterate several or numerous times uh, figuring out exactly what what the problem was and understanding how best to approach it from a solution perspective and this keeping in mind is with very limited resources uh, i mean when you when you talk of startups you have to remember that the ideal startup is built by a very small team and so a lot of those responsibilities are concentrated in a handful of people so you're doing marketing you're doing uh, research you're doing fundraising planning you're doing product development all that is is literally two three guys trying to figure it out and with a very limited amount of time and as well as very limited amount of resources so that i can say is one of the first challenges we found ourselves with and then also very early in our journey we were very uh kind of unfortunately we had to, we lost one of our co-founders in the in the very beginning uh, he was a technical co-founder and so that led to a lot of uh, misunderstanding in terms of how do we progress from here how do we how do we pivot how do we think through this but because we really really wanted to build this business we just kind of picked up our boots and started all, all from the top if you call it and that that's actually what led us to to get to where we are today well, that's nice. fantastic and and you know, you mentioned those those points, and a lot of entrepreneurs tend to give lip service, you know, iterating and being able to to pivot and all of that. But it is so key in being able to then solve that problem. And I I also agree. At the beginning stages of of uh, you know many entrepreneurs' careers, they they are doing lots of things. They're wearing lots of different hats. You know, the the famous quote of Oh, let me speak to my team. You hang up the phone and you look to the your co-founder next to you like. I don't know. Uh, so, so definitely something I think our audience uh, can definitely relate to. But one of the things you mentioned is, as a, as a challenging aspect, uh, is is that of funding. You know, it can be such a conundrum for startups, and and particularly in the African ecosystem, where, as you say, it's difficult at the beginning to get that ball rolling. There's a bit of a gap between the friends and family round that is typical in in, in the startups that we see in Silicon Valley, whereas in Africa that 
wealth is, is not necessarily there and accessible to a lot of people. So how, where and how did you guys um, start getting the funds to start and grow Tulix? Uh, that's a great question, Jason. So you're absolutely right. Uh, startup investment in Africa is, is a very new concept. Uh, there are not that many angel investors who, who participate in early deals, especially because it's more of a relationship game. But uh, more and more, we are seeing uh, the rise of accelerators, tech hubs, and uh, programs like the Antler program, which we are very fortunate to be a part of. The, the goal of these programs is essentially to bridge that gap, as you've rightly put it, uh, between when you go to your friends and family for their first uh, investment into your business, or when you actually go for a bigger round to, say, a venture capitalist. But initially, we, we were very uh, intentional about how we wanted to build a business, and the first part was finding the right team to build that business with, because uh, the first money you get into the business is pegged on the entire team, uh, if, you, if you put it uh, like that. So when we joined the Antler program, that was one of the advantages where Antler were very kind of supportive and helping us understand how to go through that program because it's designed for all the founders to go through through, the, through it and get funding, right? So when you actually you work with your coach, when you understand exactly what you're doing, you end up with a program that is very beneficial for founders to begin with and gives you adequate support to understand now how to build the business from then on and how to get your first check. So Antler are the first people who invested in us. And then that put the uh, kind of set the ball rolling in terms of us understanding what next. Yeah, man, I think that that's a, that's a key point. Um, at the end of the day, at that early stage, you know, the investment is going to, to the team and the talent rather than necessarily the idea of the problem. And access to talent can be a challenge for a lot of uh, a lot of new stage um, ventures. So having that support of an accelerator or meeting you know like-minded people is so key. And something you know, if you're out there considering how you're going to start funding, think about some of these programs and these and these you know challenges that that, that come up and, and see who you can meet there. Definitely think that's some key key insight there. But. Um, Thankfully, you, you were able to secure funding and, and you're growing and steadily growing. Um, I was keen to understand, how do you prepare for the funding rounds and like this, this whole mystique around funding? How did you break it down and feel prepared to, to start asking for money? <laughs> that's, a, that's a wild kind of a question. I think there, there really isn't a tried and tested approach, but there are definitely certain things uh, that, that definitely work for a lot of people. And our journey is, is not going to be the same as uh, anyone else's, but I guess maybe just talking about, in summary, what, what has worked for us. We, we, we have actually been engaging with potential investors, whether we are looking for money or not, just to keep that uh, conversation going. I mean, the goal here is to become mm -hmm. relevant and also keep them informed of what you're building and who the team is and why you're building it. So investors are... Uh, they're like everyone else you meet uh, during the day, your friends or family, they need to know about you before they, they can put any kind of investment in you. So building that relationship early on is very important. And then also another thing, when you're building a business, you really have to understand the market you're in and the size of the opportunity that that, that exists in that market. So if you're not able to communicate this market opportunity clearly, a lot of investors will be turned, uh, kind of turned down or will turn you down 
they won't be able to understand exactly what you're offering and they also won't be able to to maybe either steer you to the right investors or have a conversation that's deeper towards securing that funding for you mm -hmm. and then of course that includes structuring your pitch your your information correctly and spending more time with the right investors so you might be in the market speaking to a lot of people but there are not that many people who will eventually put that money into your business. The most important aspect is just understanding that not all money is a good match for you. So knowing which of the investors you need to spend more time with, knowing what they look for, knowing, understanding how their processes work is very critical to kind of getting, re getting ready to prepare for any type of funding round. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's some some, some great caveats of, of knowledge there, um, and and like you say, every any every journey is different. But um, I'd like to pick up on on a few points you mentioned there. I think that constant communication and um, ensuring that it's not just when you want money that you're you're going to them. You are communicating throughout that process. I think is really important because it reminds me of um, I believe a formula for trust that someone made, yeah. uh, uh, which is consistency over time. And that is exactly what you're trying to build with these investors is that that trust that they are willing to give you money, knowing that uh, it, it is not a, a throwing it to the wall kind of thing. Uh, and there's actually traction there. So I definitely think that's something key for, for entrepreneurs to, to take lessons from is that making sure that you are communicating with them early, building that consistency and trust as you go along. The other aspect was, um, you know, the ability to communicate your your market opportunity but also you know your vision which is something we, we we tend to struggle with and i think a lot of times we come to the stage where entrepreneurs will be like oh they just don't understand it and um they forget that that's also your job is is to get them to understand it and honestly funding can be almost a full-time job so um i think i'll maybe push this one to alistair it's like um did you guys split the roles of is was one person in charge of you know, going after the funding while the other one managed the business, or did you both do it in tandem? How did you guys approach that? Given how uh, early stage we we were and we still are, and uh, given the fact that we were a two-man business at the time, um, we ended up having to really be involved, um, both in, both of us to be involved in, in, in uh, speaking to investors and building those relationships. Because again, as a small team, um, you, want, you want confidence to be built um, by the investment community and them seeing us both making uh, the time uh, available. Uh, just shows how important it is to us and how important they are to us um, whenever we engage. So uh, we tended to and have continued to tend to where possible because it also helps in the continuity in that in a subsequent conversation, if one of us isn't there, it's very easy for, for it to continue as opposed to introducing yet another uh, founder and another one. Um, it, it just makes for different dynamics. So we were very intentional about uh, both engaging with uh, nearly all the investors that uh, came our way. And I can say that that has really helped because in, in such uh, engagements, there are things that uh, we, I may pick out that Brian doesn't or vice versa, or uh, there may be an element, basically the complementarity uh, was able to allow us to make them these engagements where if I miss out on something, Brian will fill up uh, for me. And that just makes for a seamless conversation. 
Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that's true, and and it it harks back to what we were just mentioning about that trust. You know that that uh, continuality of being able to pick up the conversation where the other person had left off, and and all being on the same page adds to that you know trust in in you guys as a as a team as as an entity, and yeah, it's 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 also true that you're kind of sending your you know your best in the sense that you have both aspects of the business there because like you say you end up taking on different aspects of the business uh, as co-founders you end up doing quite a lot so having you both there is also uh, valuable but like we say every every company is different and every obstacle we face is, is different in, in different enterprises and ventures and uh, I know there's plenty but if you were to you know say the biggest obstacle that you guys faced during your journey of funding and, and how you overcame that um, it would be interesting to share share with our audience. Uh, that's that's a good question. I think one of the challenges uh, to to guys who are new to the startup world, or if you're just moving from traditional entrepreneurship or corporate world to startup uh, to building a startup, you you learn there's a learning curve, right? So it's not all flashy TechCrunch updates and uh, this guy secured. Uh, uh, tens of millions of pre-seed or seed money. It's always something that kind of meets a lot of founders by surprise. And uh, when you now start to understand why that is the case, you also start to understand how venture investments do actually work. So mm. it's it's very difficult or different for different founders. So it depends on the networks they have, depends on their backgrounds, depends on maybe who they have within the immediate communities. All these things play a very big role in terms of understanding how to approach fundraising. And for us, the learning curve was to now realize that uh, there are different types of investors. You will think one uh, one investor is after your metrics, whereas they're really after some form of branding or some form of uh, trust element that you're bringing. And then when you now start to understand why different investors are different, you also start to approach the, the investment journey quite differently. And then also realizing that even though there seems to be a lot of money flowing in, getting access to that money for different founders also mm. varies. So some founders can close around in, in one call, right? Other founders can close around in six months. So yeah. it, 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 it goes, it goes to, to tell you that it's never going to be the same. And that's one of the biggest challenges to, to accept and to understand so that you never kind of feel bad whenever you get a no or whenever someone really doesn't like your idea. It's, it's really not you who, are the, who is the problem. It's, it's just that they are not kind of feeling the investment opportunity as much as you thought they would. And now taking that up and now, and moving moving forward, I mean, going forward with it, the most important thing is don't give up. Uh, keep keep going after it. Uh, the, the investment opportunity in Africa is just getting bigger. It's not just fintech, by the way. There's a lot of other tech-enabled businesses that are securing uh, good investments for their business. So making sure that you're able to understand this and demonstrating beyond the regular traction and metrics that your business is worthy of investment. So making sure you can negotiate properly, understanding the market factors and knowing whether the investors you're after are a good fit for your business. So those are some of the challenges we, we had to understand. Yeah, and this seems to be, uh, thank you for the answer. And I think, you know, we seem to see this theme, um, you know, developing through this series where it's almost uh, as important to know your investor as it is to know your customer. We spend so much time getting to know our customers, choosing our customers and, and all that, but we, we tend to not spend that same amount of time and effort with investors, but it is so important um, 
moving the company forward. Uh, you also say, um, just to mention and just to share with our audience, you know, um, people who may be new to the startup world, well, for someone yourself who, who had been through that experience, um, being a co-founder at multiple companies and, and being involved in that, you know, the ecosystem, I just wanted to know from, from, from you personally, uh, was the second time easier? Was it just as hard? Were you, had you had that experience before? Do you think it changed the way you approached it? Uh, no, I mean, I, I hadn't founded a company before, but I was part of early teams. So I had yeah. seen the different journeys their founding teams were going through mm. and had a slight appreciation for what it actually means to go for funding. And when you now have that kind of background, it also helps prepare you mentally. Uh, fundraising is actually quite taxing, uh, especially on the team. If you're not careful, it can lead to severe uh, burnout or even just frustration when in the early days, especially when everything counts on that <laughs> on that fundraising. So uh, I think for us, and even given Alistair's uh, uh, excellent background in, in investments, we had that mental preparation that allowed us to understand that things could go either way. And uh, that helped uh, to keep us going, keep building while still looking for the right investors to, to, to join our company. Yeah, uh, thanks for that. So true. Um, so now I know uh, it, it goes quickly, but we're approaching the end. We'd like to finish with, with a bit of a trademark question. Um, basically, you know, about uh, this particular series is funding. So what uh, is your top piece of advice for entrepreneurs who may be in a similar situation, maybe thinking about, you know, a series A or even a seed investment? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, we'll get one piece of advice each from both of you. If, um, Alistair, do you want to jump in and start? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one piece of advice uh, I, I definitely, which I think has has been echoed over the course of uh, this conversation, okay. is uh, for entrepreneurs to remember that money is about trust. And so establishing relationships with, uh, with investors, even before you need the money, is extremely important. Um, you need to get to know them. You need to ask them to introduce you to other investors that may uh, be interested in what you're building and get them to really understand the problem you're solving so that at the point where you're presenting a solution, they'll be like, yeah, we get it. And it becomes an easier conversation. So um, build, build that trust, keep them updated on your progress, uh, whether it's by just sending them a monthly or a quarterly email just to let them know, this is uh, what I've been up to, this is where I've reached, and uh, this is what we're looking at doing next. And that's not pitching to them, that's just keeping them abreast and you stay on their radar. Um, and then that'll make it uh, very easy uh, to, for you to approach them and tell them that I'm now asking for money. But uh, parallel to that, I'll also say build a network of, um, of other founders. Um, don't operate in a silo. Don't act like your startup is uh, be all end all and you're not speaking to anyone until my product is ready. Um, you need to speak to other, other entrepreneurs who have walked your journey and are even further along because they can help with advice uh, on how to raise. They can help you with introductions from their network, ETC. So um, relationships, relationships is, is my advice. Great, thank you for that. And yourself, Brian? Uh, I think I'll just add to that and say, it's also important to 
to find out if there are other sources of funding applicable to your business. I think right now there are very different sources of capital available to different entrepreneurs, and it's important to just keep a note of this. Aside from VC funds, there are a lot of angel investor networks, there are multiple accelerators. There are also a lot of institutions that want to partner and fund uh, projects or even just simple solutions that can go to market and they will kind of bankroll your first product to market. So it's important to be able to also leverage these opportunities. I mean, equity is like very expensive. 1% uh, today is worth nothing. Two, three, four, five years is worth 10, 20 million dollars. I think it's it's an important yeah. consideration to make. And then also, I guess I'll just echo the fact that by doing this, you also get a chance to keep telling your story and refining it. So I did talk about earlier how you go after the problem, then the solution comes through. So working with different stakeholders, different types of funding, you start to see how your business can maybe shape towards solving the problems of more than you are even more people than you even imagined, and also how applicable it is across different verticals and across uh, different partners. So that's been something that, that has worked for us quite uh, considerably. And so I would recommend that find other uh, sources of funding if you can, and also keep telling your story so that more people know about what you're building and more people are able to enjoy the fruits of uh, what you're building. Great, uh, I think, uh... I think uh, that's some great advice. I think we can write a book. Uh, maybe, maybe we should. Uh, but yes, I, I agree with you. And, and I think it's overlooked sometimes to, to look at other sources of funding. That's a key point there. Um, and, you know, I love that quote uh, from yourself, Alistair, money is about trust. And I think that's so true. And, and if we look at that, like everything else we approach in, in our relationships, then, you know, building that trust is not a one-off thing. You just don't knock on the door and ask for money. You have to, you know, at least have a relationship with the person beforehand. But one thing um, that is maybe um, been not so highlighted over the previous conversation, so just want to pick up on it, is that um, you know getting those introductions, even from your investors as well as your your network of, of, of founders, it is so important because also builds trust is when you are being recommended by someone that they you hold in high regard then you are already getting your foot further in the door. And one of the things that, you know, uh, just to mention to, to some of the founders out there, when uh, uh, an investor is able to almost validate his interest in a company with another investor, they're a lot more likely to, to be like, oh, we both think it's a good idea, let's, let's invest. Whereas if you're not asking for those introductions, you're not asking for that, that network or building it, you never get that validation uh, in terms of, of the investors. So I think that's some really, really good points there. And I just wanted to thank both of you so much again. Um, uh, any final words bef before we say goodbye to our audience? Uh, I don't think I have anything to add, Jason. As you said, we, we can write a book. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Brian and Alistair, for joining us on the show. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast for African entrepreneurs.